Hi there. Thanks for listening to the Curiosity for Better Learning podcast, where we talk with educators, researchers, and thought leaders about top of mind topics in the K-12 education space. We hope you take away evidence-backed insights from cutting-edge research, practical ideas you can try in the classroom today, and questions that inspire your own exploration to learn more, awakening your professional curiosity. A quick shout out to our listeners for checking out episode one of our podcast. My name is Carrie Budinger. I'm one of the co-hosts. And for those who may not know McRow, we are a research-based education nonprofit. We use evidence from what really works in schools to help increase educator expertise, student achievement, and school success. I've been working at McRow for three years. I'm a former high school teacher, and now I support business development through sales and marketing. Dallas, why don't you tell us about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Dallas Duncan, and I formerly worked in the children's and young adult publishing space. And then uh, two and a half years ago, I joined up with McRell to help lead our marketing and content development efforts. Um, and yeah, here I am today. Great. And I'm Brian Goodwin. I'm president and CEO of McCrell. Um, and I've been here 24 years. So, uh, um, but it's really great, actually, Carrie and Dallas to be with you, uh, be with you guys here today. Well, Brian, thanks for joining us so much. The way that we start these podcasts is with icebreakers. And so essentially, we're just wondering what's got you curious these days? Yeah, I have lots of things I'm curious about. Um, I, I did. I finished a book recently. It was called Stolen Focus. And it got me thinking about like how hard it is to stay focused these days. And he uses the metaphor, um, Johan Hari, the author like that. Um, uh, it feels like we're walking up, up a down escalator a lot of times. We're trying to stay focused. So I've been thinking about that a lot, like how everything in our world these days seems to be pulling away, pulling us away from what we should be focused on, whether it's our phones or just multimedia. And I think just it feels things feel frenetic. And so I've been thinking a lot about that. How do I, how can I myself feel more focused on what I'm doing? I haven't heard of that book, but I definitely want to check it out just based on that short elevator pitch. That's incredibly interesting. Awesome. So I'll go ahead and go for the second icebreaker here since you knocked the first one out the park. <laughs> um, who were you before McCrell? So kind of like talk a little bit about your experience and just kind of like where you came from and how that kind of informs your work that you do today. Yeah. Well, I was a much younger man. I didn't have any gray hair. <laughs> for starters. I, didn't, I didn't even have kids actually when I first came to Crow 24 years ago. Um, now I've been a, um, a high school teacher and actually part of my story was um, I was, I was an okay high school student. I want to say I was awesome at it. I was one of those classic underachievers. My, my friend and I, we hosted a, um, a uh, cable access show. So we were kind of like the Wayne's world of Ames, Iowa, you know, um, but, and I was not that committed to being a, a great high school student. So, but when I got to college, I, something clicked. And then as fate would have it, like six years later, I find myself teaching high school and thinking, how do I, how do I help my kids become really excited and motivated to learn in a way that something happened for me in college. And so, um, but then I became a journalist after that. Um, I guess my natural curiosity, it was fun to learn about new things every week. And then I came to recall 24 years ago. So 
Um, and at McCrell, I've kind of um, done lots of things. Um, a lot of it was around writing, helping with our laboratory program, writing re uh, reports and so forth. And then I became a communications director. And about 12 years ago now, I really started doing a lot of writing for ASED, for Educational Leadership Magazine, written a lot of books. And so I've kind of really had this amazing opportunity to bring together what was originally my passion for writing and doing kind of journalism, journalism things, but also really being drawn to education and have had that great opportunity to work with folks like you all, uh, Carrie and Dallas and so many others at McCrell. Yeah. Writing, writing, writing. Basically every time <laughs> I'm like checking in on you, you're writing something. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I have another window open it right now on my computer. That's got a document in it. So. Yep. 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 <laughs> You know, I feel like you are the perfect guest for this episode and the launch of our podcast because you do so much writing and so much pre uh, presentation on curiosity. And so when you talk to people who might not know how to define it or know when it's there, what would you tell them? Yeah, I mean, because curiosity is a weird thing, right? It comes like out of nowhere. All of a sudden, like we're curious about something. So what is that? Well, cognitive scientists would, would, cognitive scientists would tell us it's really this. It's, it's a gap in our knowledge when we recognize that we don't know something, but we want to get to the other side of that gap. So it's something that's important to us. And we realize, oh, I don't really understand, you know, why my dog does this or why this should be true in life. And so it's really a knowledge gap. And it tends to be sparked by things like a little mystery or a little puzzle or seek, uh, you know, uh, um, suspense, right? That's why TV shows always have those cliffhangers right before the ads come on, right? So that's what I mean. And it's the simplest form of curiosity, just a gap in our knowledge that we want to fill. And I feel that way with mysteries a lot, that if I don't know what's coming next or if I'm in a book and I need to know, I can't put it down. And that's how I know it's there at that moment. Right. And especially that's why it's harder to put down a mystery at the end, towards the end than the beginning, right? Because like, oh, I'm so close to figuring it out, right? So yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So kind of talking about your work experience, um, working with educators around the world, um, what are some commonalities that you've seen around curiosity? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I have worked, you know, like in the Mideast, the Pacific, all across the U.S., Australia. I think the biggest thing is when you first start talking to educators about curiosity, it's like this thing like, how did I, you know, it feels like like a, a good friend that you've like lost touch with, right? It's like, oh, learning is all about curiosity. So I find that educators time and time again say, oh, that is why I got into teaching. I wanted my, to help my kids become curious. And it seems like, again, regardless of the culture, um, I mean, sometimes that there are cultures that, and even ours included, where sometimes curiosity is seen as kind of a bad thing. Curiosity killed the cat, right? Pandora's box. But then when you start talking about like, we're not talking about like morbid curiosity or like following everything, you know, to its, to its illogical conclusion, but like the things that about intellectual curiosity. And then I think people realize that in any culture, you know, we do a lot of work in the Pacific, the whole life, you know, the Polynesian wayfinders who found their way across the Pacific Ocean using waves and wind to make that journey, they were curious, right? Something made them say, I wonder what lies beyond the horizon. So I think it it's such a natural human instinct to be curious that I think it resonates everywhere I go. So then we can just jump into the next question. So for this podcast, the main thing that we want for listeners is to have takeaways that they can use either in their classrooms or in their schools right after listening. And so for the teachers specifically listening, uh, what strategies can you share for promoting curiosity in their classroom? Yeah. One of the ones that we like to talk about a lot is any unit, any lesson you're teaching, 
be clear about what's what's in it for me for kids, right? So like Madison Avenue uses that terminology, what's in it for me, the WIFM, they call it. That's the acronym. So why should kids want to learn this? What's interesting about it? How are they going to use it in their lives? I think that's one really great starting point. Another one is to think about what's the mystery here. So in, instead of teaching just, you know, here's, here's Rome and here's how it fell, well, flip it around, right? Like there's this great civilization at one point. Well, you know, maybe we put air quotes around great, depending on, on your perspective, but but there was this massive civilization that spanned what was you know, the known world, like, but it, it disappeared or it fell apart. Why would that happen? Or, you know, science is full of all kinds of mysteries. Why do animals go extinct? Why do certain phenomena happen? And so I think, and even mathematics has mystery in it. Like, how would, how would you figure out the hypotenuse of a triangle, right? If, if you can't actually measure that distance, like we, you know, um, surveyors use that knowledge all the time. So I think it is like really thinking about what's, what's mysterious about it, what's suspenseful about it. The other thing we know is actually also what might be, um, it's called a cognitive conflict. Like, what about what, what kids are going to learn might not square with their initial expectations. Like here in Colorado, you guys know that in the wintertime, we get these Chinook winds, they blow out of the mountains, right? So when the wind is coming down from the mountaintops where it's cold, somehow that makes us warm here in Denver. Like that happens in lots of places too. So that's an idea of a cognitive conflict. Like, well, I didn't think that would happen, but why should that happen? So I think it's just taking a moment to say, how would I make this unit more interesting to my kids? And it does take some time, but it's well worth it because now the kids are along for the ride instead of you constantly trying to force them or make them feel interested in something that they can't understand why I'm doing this. And that seems like a simple way to reframe it. You're teaching the same content, just in a different lens. And so I feel like that could be a simple shift to get there. Yeah. yeah. You're starting with the good part first. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yes. <laughs> and flipping it around and don't give away the mystery too soon. Right. But right. start with why let's, I mean, that's how all discoveries were made. Somebody was curious and said, I wonder how that works. Right. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Cool. So Brian, you said something a little bit earlier about like talking about curiosity as like the long lost friend that you had, like we remember, <laughs> we all remember it, but um, it's, it's been a while. Right. Um, so for all the school leaders listening in, what strategies can you share for promoting curiosity within their staff, uh, kind of re rebuilding that joy that we all had at one point? Yeah, that's really great. And in fact, we also see among kids that the longer they stay in school, the less curious they are. But I think the same thing happens for teachers. And I think it's often because we do the same thing to teachers that they end up sometimes turn around doing to kids, which is like, instead of getting teachers curious about, hey, what's a better strategy for engaging our kids? Or what's a better strategy for making sure they receive the feedback well? Or what's a better strategy for helping them really um, demonstrate their, their, their knowledge or their thinking? So it, I would say flip your professional learning around to make it a professional inquiry, not just y'all come down to the gym and we're going to tell you some things for a while, right? But get teachers involved in the process too to make them go, yeah, I wonder why that does happen. Or I wonder why when I do something differently for my kids, they become more engaged. How can we do that more frequently? So you want to create the same conditions for teachers that you want teachers creating for kids. I feel like that's a great way of modeling it too, right? When you yeah, see it yeah. being done well, and then they can take that idea into the classroom too. It goes both ways. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So that's actually the end of the podcast. We really just want these takeaways to be short and sweet and easy to use. If people are curious to learn more from you, how can they contact you? Yeah, so um, 
I'm right there on the website, um, begoodwinatmacrowd.org. You can send me an email. I love talking about curiosity, so feel free to reach out. Um, we have lots of publications too, and that's a, that's a way to maybe dig in a little bit deeper and then reach out, ask a question. Um, I talk to groups all over the place about curiosity, and I'd be happy to talk to, to your group as well about that. For those of you who are listening in, thanks for joining the discussion. If today's topic has sparked your curiosity and you want to learn more, visit mccrell.org slash podcast. There, you'll find links to all of our full-length episodes, as well as free related resources like white papers, guides, infographics, and more to help you use these strategies and insights to accomplish your own classroom goals for the year. Thank you for all that you do. Until next time, stay curious. Stay curious.